Hello, I'm Sam and welcome to the Learn and Experience Show, exploring and making sense of the world we live in through adventure, life skills and language. Today I'm joined by our two regular team members from Learn and Experience, the people bringing the world's youth together since 2009. We've got language guru Mike. Hello. And we've got our Miss Positive, Julie. Hiya. <laughs> this episode will be visiting Scotland, New Zealand, Madagascar, Canada and the USA in Around the World in Six Stories. And in the big discussion this week, we talked about the national dish of our country and if we can make it. We'll be looking at Madagascar in fact or fiction. And in the youth spotlight this week, we talk about a 16-year-old who is the founder of an app to help Alzheimer's disease patients. And in Life Skills this week, I chatted to Dr. Robert Davison about how vaccines work. This week on The Language Corner, we look at different languages that have different words for hello and goodbye. This is the Learn and Experience Show. Okay, Julie, where are we visiting this week? Okay, so we're off to my fair land, Scotland, where the great yellow bumblebee, which is one of the UK's rarest bumblebees, has recently been spotted in Scotland. Experts from the Bumblebee Conservation Trust discovered the endangered species in Cathness, which is in the Highlands of Scotland. The conservationists were carrying out a survey in the area to try and find out where and how many live there. This information can then be used to advise landowners on how to recreate habitats for the insects. Katie Malone, a conservation officer for the trust said, it's rare to be able to find any bumblebee nest in the UK, but to observe and film a great yellow bumblebee nest is astonishing. The bees at one point were quite common and were found throughout the UK However, the population has declined by 80% in the last century. Back in 2019, holidaymakers and people living there were asked to share their potential sightings as part of the great, big, great bumblebee hunt. Easy for you to say. Uh, after, after discovering the nests, Katie described it as a once in a lifetime moment and one I'll remember forever. They, they don't look like they should be able to fly. <laughs> They're and really clumsy. They they're really top heavy, aren't they? They're barely getting off the ground. We're going to go to New Zealand now, where a lady has been arrested for quite an unusual crime. She was arrested for bringing in cacti plants to New Zealand. Uh, the woman known as Wendy brought in over £7,000 worth of cactus plants, which are the very spiky plants, uh, and... She did this by strapping them to her body and, and wearing them, wearing lots of clothes and strapping them to, to different parts of her body. And she thought she would get in unnoticed. Um, but I found it a very unusual story because I didn't know that it was a crime in the first place to bring in uh, plants to a country. But evidently it is a crime in New Zealand uh, to do that. So uh, he, she oh, where was it? Where were they coming from, did you say? Good question. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Basically, how long was the flight? How long had she had these cac cac cactus, cacti strapped to her body? <laughs> Hopefully it was just like maybe Melbourne or something, although that's still really far. I mean, it sounds like any for any any length of time, that's going to be pretty uncomfortable. <laughs> the, the risk reward doesn't seem... Doesn't seem to be worth <laughs> it. <laughs> oh, great story. Okay, so I'm going to Madagascar where scientists may have found the world's tiniest reptile. Scientists have discovered a tiny chameleon from Madagascar that may be the world's smallest reptile. 
the chameleon is small enough to easily sit on a fingertip. Only two have ever been spotted, and luckily one male and one female. So reptiles are egg-laying animals with backbones and include animals like snakes, lizards, and crocodiles. Reptiles are cold-blooded, and means, which means their bodies have the same temperature as the area around them. The new species, which means the kind of uh, reptile, of chameleon was discovered in the rainforest of Madagascar by a team of scientists from Germany and Madagascar. The tiny animals are being called nano-chameleons and are officially known as Bukasia nana. So the rainforests on the island of Madagascar are home to many animals not found anywhere else. And this is a new animal, and it's the tiniest reptile. When, when I first saw a picture of these, they're very, very likable-looking little things, tiny, tiny, tiny. I just assumed they were baby lizards. You'd have thought these scientists may, uh, may, may know the difference between... <laughs> It's just a baby one, mate. So yeah. no, 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 it's tiny. Yeah. It's tiny as a new species. Really young, just been born. They are super cute though. Although how usually those types of animals move like really, really quickly. I remember like geckos in when I was in Australia. You could never you anytime you went, they would just scarper and, and move, you know, move away really quickly. So I wonder how they got it on his finger. Maybe it was asleep. Honey. Bumblebee. Maybe maybe oh, yeah. they had the bumblebee and the honey and the and the uh... <laughs> and it stuck to his finger. Yeah, <laughs> still there. <laughs> so this uh, this is a worldwide story. So the new emoji have arrived as part of Apple's newest update and include a variety of new expressions and even more diversity. Emoji are regulated by the Unicode Consortium, which is an independent body that oversees the creation of emoji. They approve the designs for each company, including Apple, Google, Samsung, and Twitter, who then go on to create their own versions of approved emoji. So here's what we can look forward to. Couples are now customizable, meaning that you can change the race of each person in the couple. So that's actually meaning an extra 217 emoji to choose from. So by making each person in the couple emoji customizable by skin color, the emoji can be much more representative, which is super important. The same feature was added back in 2019 to couples holding hands. Some of the new faces for you to express yourself include a woman with a beard, a person with a beard, a face exhaling, a face in the cloud, and a face with spirally eyes. You also may uh, now notice how the blood syringe has changed and looks more like a vaccine um, syringe. Uh, the change from a blood red substance to a clear medicinal-like substance is thought to help discussions when talking about COVID-19 vaccines. And I actually had a, a little look on my phone today because I just updated my phone and I could see, uh, I saw the vaccine one and I saw all the different kind of um, skin colors, which is just, yeah, it, fantastic. It probably should have been done a very, it should have been done a very long time ago. So people feel represented. So yeah, good job emoji. We're going to go to Canada next where a six-year-old boy called Callahan McLaughlin has, since the beginning of coronavirus, set up an, a joke stand, a drive-by joke stand in his neighborhood. Callahan uh, gets up every morning at 7.30 and his sole aim is to spread joy and laughter to his neighbors without violating any social distancing rules. He says he knows about 13 or 14 jokes and he will stop 
neighbors will stop by and they will ask him for a joke in return for some money. So one of the jokes are, it says, what do you call a lazy kangaroo? Uh, Hop along. Don't know. Oh, that's good. A pouch potato. <laughs> and so the McLaughlin's neighbors aren't the only ones to appreciate Callahan's efforts. Uh, Canadian actor Ryan Reynolds tweeted that Callahan is a Canadian hero. Nice. Yeah. Love that. Love that. Good old Callahan. And cool name as well. Good name, isn't it? Callahan. I'm going to the USA where scientists have created spinach that can test for bombs and also send emails. So scientists at MIT have managed to change ordinary spinach plants into natural sensors, which can detect chemicals used in bombs. Using a cheap and smaller computer system, the spinach can even trigger a warning email. The secret to giving spinach these special powers is nanotechnology. So nanotech or nanotechnology is a scientific area that deals with making or changing things that are incredibly tiny. We're used to measuring things using sizes like meters or um, yards, but nanotech is measured in nanometers, one billionth, one billionth of a meter. So that's pretty small. The MIT researchers are interested in using nanotech to give plants new abilities. They say plants are already great at sensing their environment since they take in water from the ground and respond to chemicals. Plants also supply their own energy, which the scientists can use to power their tiny experiments. The lizard, wasn't the lizard called nano something? Yeah, yeah I, I'm, of, I'm a nano theme. All the small things. All the small things. That was Around the World in Six Stories. So on the big discussion this week, we talked about the national dish of our country and if we can make it. So before we pass over to our, our, our young people to hear about their amazing dishes. So Mike, I think I know the answer to this question, but what is a national dish of England? Shepherd's pie. Is it? <laughs> it's not. Is it not? No, fish and chips, fish and chips. <laughs> and have you ever, could, could you, if I asked you right now, Mike, feeling a bit peckish, could do with some dinner. Could you, could you rustle up some fish and chips? Jules, I think I'd probably go down the local fish and chip shop and, and get you uh, uh, and uh, cheat a bit. But I think if, if you, if you, if, if you asked me really nicely, I'd probably would be able to, yeah. Fantastic. And uh, Sam, national dish of Canada. Yes, I think uh, national dishes, are they supposed to be home dishes? Because I would say the same as fish and chips. Ours is poutine in Canada. <laughs> P-O-U, poutine. Uh, and basically it's chips and gravy uh, with uh, cheese curds. So it's like, kind of like squeaky cheese, but then you put the chips, which obviously they call fries here, and... Uh, uh, they have the fries, then the cheese curds, and then the hot uh, gravy over the top, so then it all melts, and it's amazing. And it's basically chips and gravy. Sounds, uh, and you could make that. It sounds fairly easy to make. No, no, no. Well, you could make it, but it, it's again, you have shops that that, that uh, specialise in this thing, and the best poutine is obviously when you're out. It's like fish and chips. I think fish and chips has to be from a chippy. Yeah, I would agree. Um, 
What's and yours, Julie? Scotland. Bit, yeah, there were a few quite, national dishes. It's a bit risque. So if we, if we talk about main meal, it would be haggis, neeps and tatties. Yeah. So does, did you want to, to hazard a guess? Do you guys know what haggis is made from? Everything, isn't it? Yeah, a bit of everything. A bit of everything. Mm-hmm. So ox bum. <laughs> ox bum? I think I actually did say bung, but I thought I heard bum and just laughed. Um, and lamb's pluck, so that's the heart and heart, lungs and liver um, of a lamb, which is sad. Um, and like lots of beef, suet, oatmeal. So that just makes up the haggis. And you can also get vegetarian haggis, which is super yummy. I was um, vegan for a while, which is strange because I eat all the meat now. Uh, and then you have <laughs> mash, so mashed potatoes. And then neeps is turnip. And I think borderline, that's the best part. Lots of pepper on your neeps. Oh, and, butter. and then, uh, yeah, butter too, butter too. And then you can even have some whiskey sauce over the top. And then if you're really messy, you just mash it all in together. So th- it's basically like baby food, all three of them. Top tip, mm. get an old bean can, cut off the top and bottom. So you've basically got this circular can and then you can make you can put it in the can on the plate and make it look dead pretty like little towers ah, good idea top tip yeah fantastic if you could well, be if you could be any nationality and have their national dish all the time what would you, what would you be italian oh no 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 um japanese I really like sushi mm. thai thai oh no i do like thai Let's pass over to our lovely young people and they can tell us all about their national dishes and how and if they could make it. Our national dish is like a soup with beans. It's like called bean soup, but it's, it's, I don't like it. Or we have like these other stuff. These are like stuffed um, vegetables. That's what they're called. And they're like stuffed with rice, but these are nice. That sounds really good. What's the what's the word in Greek though? Oh, in Greek, okay. <laughs> like the stuffed vegetables are yemista. Yemista in Greek means stuffed. And um, the other food like dish is fasolada, which is bean soup. Yeah. What about you, Mej? Um. So in Monaco, it's um a fugas. It's this. You know, if you looks like a pizza. No, it's not a pizza. It's something. Um, <laughs> um, how do you say? It's like a dessert. Could you make like if we came round to your house for dinner, us us three? Would you be able to make this dish and serve it to us as your national no. dish? <laughs> <laughs> what about you guys? Would you guys I, be able to make? The, I make would the not dish? buy it. Like, I can't buy it, but no. I would burn down my whole house. That's one thing. <laughs> If I tried to make fish and chips, I think the deep fryer would just sit on fire and I'd just burn my house down. Cause oh my like, God, yeah, you like, like me too. You batter the fish and then put it in a deep fryer and then it would just like, cause it could easily sit on fire cause it's oil. And I could just see it happening. So I just don't touch the deep fryer. <laughs> it's really, really good. Like fish and chips is really good. I've tried it. Like when I went to London. Yeah, it's good. Okay, fact or fiction? We are visiting the very, very lovely Madagascar. Does anybody know anything about Madagascar? You've been there, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't been there, but I have watched the uh, cartoon. Yes, I've watched the cartoon. That might help me a little. Fantastic. 
Madagascar is an island country in the Indian Ocean. <laughs> I have absolutely no idea. I'm going to say for speed fact. I think you're right, Jules. I think it's in the Indian Ocean. I think it's an island. So I'm going to go fact <laughs> as well. <laughs> as a good start, two correct answers. It is a fact. It's an island, uh, an island country in the Indian Ocean off the coast of Southeast Africa. Malagasy and English are its official languages. Is Madagascar a French-speaking country? That's what I, that's part, that's, I can't get that kind of thought out of my head. Maybe it is French-speaking. Uh, so I'm going to go fiction, because I think there might be a French-speaking element to Madagascar. I think that's poppycock. Um, I'm going to go... That's fighting talk. <laughs> poppycock <laughs> such a weird I would. Word. I wouldn't take that, Mike. Yeah, wh what are you saying? <laughs> He's too busy laughing. Um, it just sounds, it just sounds ridiculous. I've learned, I think if you just say something with conviction, then it sounds good. And that's what you do quite a lot. And often you're wrong. So I'm just, <laughs> I'm going to say, what did you say? Fiction. fiction. I'm, going to, I'm going to say fact. Your theory didn't work this time, Julie, because it, it is in fact uh, fiction. Malagasy is one of its official languages, but you're right, Mike, it is French. The population of Madagascar is 2.8 million. You did like your reading eyes. I'm reading this. I'm going to say facts because Sam had his reading eyes on like he was reading that. Or was it my turn to go first? Yeah. Fact. You're doing it. Fact. Seems a bit on the on the on the seems a bit too many, two point eight million. It's such a small island. It's like the size of Malta or something. I'm gonna go fiction. I think it's too I think it's smaller than that. I'm sorry, Julie. Mike has got the right answer with the wrong <laughs> with the wrong reasoning. <laughs> I don't know why I'm celebrating, but how many is it? Is it bigger or smaller? It's like it's massive. Madagascar is big. Look, <laughs> look how big Madagascar is. Okay, so this is, can you see? This is the UK. Yeah. That's Madagascar. Like, wow. Madagascar Holy is wow. A, this this long thing. It's 28 million. Uh, but yeah, I was surprised. That was uh, a fact. Hopefully everyone will enjoy that Madagascar is much bigger than you think. So Mike got that right for the wrong reasons. <laughs> Sorry, Julie. <laughs> Over 90% of its wildlife is found nowhere else on Earth. Where was your nano hijimaflopser from, Sam? Madagascar. Should have asked that after Mike gave his answer, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Mike goes first. That's probably true. I think it's it's up there with Brazil for its diversity of wildlife. So I think I think true. I think fact. Um. Well, yeah. I think fact too, which I don't think is going to help me. But I think that is fact. It is fact. Over ninety percent of its wildlife is found nowhere else on Earth. I think you're two behind, Judy. Still, with the last question. But it'd be good to get it right, eh? <laughs> anyway. Always. Always.
Warangi is a popular sport in uh, in Madagascar, and it is a form of soccer. Wasn't that the name the name of the language? Uh, Malagasy was the language. And say the other word. Morangi. I feel like you've made that word up. I think that's fiction. I also think it's fiction. I think it sounds more like a dance to me. I think it's. Do you do? Do you, you want to do the morangi? Let's do the morangi all together now. One, two, three. Let's do the morangi. <laughs> <laughs> all different, which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, so you're both right, <laughs> but for the wrong reasons again. Uh, morangi is a sport, but rather than a dance, uh. it's a bit of combat fighting. Uh. Yeah. Okay, that was Factual Fiction. In Youth Spotlight this week, we introduce you to a 16-year-old, a remarkable 16-year-old by the name of Emma Wang. Emma uh, was 14 years old when she founded the app uh, called Timeless. And Timeless is an app that helps Alzheimer's patients stay engaged and connected to loved ones. Alzheimer's is a disease which is irreversible. It means it can't be stopped. Uh, and it, it basically destroys memory in, in elderly people. Um, and it's, it's a very, very serious disease because it stops elderly people uh, being able to carry out some of the simplest tasks. Uh, so Emma, whose grandmother suffered from Alzheimer's, uh, came up with this app, which uh, helps Alzheimer's patients to remember events and also to recognize people through artificial intelligence, facial recognition technology. And the app basically works in three, three ways. It tells the elderly person what is happening that day. So like if you're if if somebody who's an Alzheimer's sufferer has a son that's coming to lunch, she, he or she will be notified saying on on the device saying that, that, that their son is coming to lunch and it gives uh, a face recognition when people call the device. And it also gives regular updates of friends and family through lots of different photos. All of these things are used to trigger the memory of of loved ones um, an avid coder uh, emma is passionate about computer science and history and also languages and she really believes that technology can be used to help solve problems and make the world a better place good on emma so what have you been learning this week julie so this week I spoke to Dr. Roberts Davison, who has a PhD in biochemistry, and she explained how a vaccine works. So she first told me all about how cells work, um, which was fascinating, some of which I think I remember from school. But then she went on to talk about how our immune system works. So and I'll try and explain this now. So what, what the immune system does is it recognizes the germ as being foreign, so kind of not belonging to the body. And it responds by making special proteins called antibodies that help destroy the germ. Now, most of the time, your immune system can act fast enough to stop the germ from making you sick. But by destroying the germ, it can usually help you get well again. What it also does is it remembers 
the germ that made you sick and how to destroy it. That way, if you're ever if you're ever exposed to the same disease germ in the future, your immune system can act quickly to destroy it before it has a chance to make you sick. And this protection is called immunity. So where the vaccine comes in is vaccines give you immunity to a disease without getting you sick first. So they're made by using killed or weakened versions of the disease causing germ or parts of the germ called antigens. For some vaccines, genetic engineering is used to make the antigens used in the vaccine. It's much safer to get the vaccine, obviously, than to get the disease it prevents. So when you get a vaccine, your immune system responds to the vaccine the same way it would do to the real germ. So what it does is it recognizes the germ uh, in the vaccine as being foreign. It responds by making antibodies to the germ in the vaccine, just as it would for the real germ. And then it remembers the germ and how to destroy it. That way, if you're ever exposed to the disease causing germ in the future, your immune system will be able to quickly destroy it before it has a chance to make you sick. And that's how you get immunity from vaccines. Yeah. Super cool. In Language Corner this week, in Sinhalese, the word Ayubawan literally means long life and is, is generally used by joining the hands together in the prayer position and, and people will, will exchange that greeting whatever the time of day. Hmm. This made me think. Some languages have the same word for hello and goodbye, actually more commonly than one might think. So in Hawaiian, people say aloha, uh, which actually means may the breath be with you. In Italian, more close to home for some, uh, they use the word ciao for hello and goodbye. Hebrew and Arabic both use the word salam. Polish uses the word chesk and Hindi uses the word namaste. So English, in effect, is one of the minority languages that has separate words for hello and goodbye. This didn't always used to be the case. Sometimes we, back in the past, we'd say good day to take one's leave from someone. Uh, but that's now very old fashioned, it's archaic. So we, 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 we say hello and goodbye. And yeah, that's it on the language corner this week. Is it, it is interesting, isn't it? Is it's is salut yeah. sal old fashioned now? Did they still in France? Do they still say because salut used to me was the one I learned was like hi, but also bye. Yeah, yeah. So salut you can say for both. Yeah, but they don't use it that much today. It's kind or, of old fashioned. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. can say uh, yeah, au revoir, ciao. Thanks, Mike. So spelling bee. We're gonna. I'm gonna ask you to spell chameleon. I have no idea. Okay, C A M I L E O N. Mike. Uh, I think there's an H in there. I think there's a silent H. Is it? Isn't there? Is it C H A M E L E O N? Well done, Mike. Our language See, guru. Spell that again, so I can write chameleon. it. It's a chameleon. Chameleon. Well, it's the way Sam yeah. said it, isn't it? He well, said it's not chameleon, not <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, so this word is just a word that I was writing today when I was writing the stories, uh, writing my story. And I, every time I text it, I don't really know how to spell it. I just trust that my <laughs> spell check is going to correct it. So it'll be interesting how you go with this word. And it's actually quite a relatively easy word. Uh, necessary. 
knows how to get those C's and E's and S's all together. <laughs> That's what I mean. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go more as less on this one. Okay. Oh no, there's definitely got to be a C somewhere though. N e c e s s a r y. Mike. Less is more, so I'd go with that. And you're correct. That's the that's correct spelling. Well, I think I say if it's correct or not. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're that confident. It would be a, it would be a bit of a shock if you got it wrong, but it is right. Well done. Uh, and I just sounded it out. I was like, the second. Yeah, you, you just think, took a breath and you just thought about it. Lots just... of S's, but like the second part sounds like more like S's and the first part yeah. sounds like more like a C. I just figured it out. Necessary. Very, very impressive. Okay. Now that I'm saying it, it sounds the same, but that's okay. Nanotechnology. N A N O T E C H N O L O G Y. It's not really a little word, isn't it? Considering it means a little thing, but it's quite a long word. I'm not going to dispute that, Julie. I think you've got it absolutely nano right. Well done, Julie. That was uh, very impressive. Those two last words. Did I win? No. Uh, no, you missed out on that first one. Okay. But you did very well. Thank you. I think you've Go done on. better than you've won on other weeks where you haven't done as well. Uh, but by default, but this week you did very well, but Mike did equally well, if not just a bit better. That was the Learn and Experience show. Goodbye, Julie. Goodbye, Mike. Bye, Sam. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>